Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast. I am your host, Michael J. Williams. Joined with me today is a very special guest from the Limitless Comics universe, Jerry Jones. Hi, Jerry. How are you, man? Hey, doing good. How are you doing? I'm excellent today. I had a very awesome birthday uh, yesterday, so I'm, I'm nice. still coming off that pretty strong. Um, I won I won a Kevin Smith signed Master of the Universe prequel comics from Free Comic Book Day. Oh, awesome. uh, last, yeah, last weekend. So I was hoping for Pensacon tickets, but hey, um, He Man, uh, He Man, He Man comics signed by uh, my favorite writer. Um, I pretty much idolize him. I look up to him a lot, and he's helped me a lot with his movies and films throughout my life. So uh, I thought that was a great trade off. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I really, um, I really enjoy um, Kevin's work. Um, not so much his non View Askew stuff, but I really enjoy the the View Askew um, universe and all that. I especially love the Clerks cartoon. That that's probably my all time favorite of his. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't see too much of the light of day after that. But they're wrapping up. Uh, I think they they either started or wrapping up production um, on Clerks Three, which I'm excited to see because uh, the uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot was was a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> it had some really awesome storytelling mechanics in there that I really enjoyed, including uh, his running joke of making fun of sequels. Oh yeah. So uh, he's he's got a very unique style that that uh that I appreciate. So man, um, we we finally sent the pages off to the printers and they got uh they got finalized. So um, uh, we're looking forward to thirst coming soon to everybody. That's that's going to be awesome. Um, did Anthony did Anthony let you read that script before it got sent off? Um, he didn't let me. He didn't let me read it per se, but I'm I'm the one who actually assembles the books, so so okay. I get to read it as I as I assemble them. Okay. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> Some people when they do that, they 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 just you get that tunnel vision, so you're only thinking of work. You know, you know. Some people don't take the time to like, oh, I got comic book pages in front of me. Let me go ahead and take advantage of this read before they go to the printers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably should have considered that uh, before I asked you that question, man. Um, <laughs> Uh, what did you think of the story? Don't 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 drop it. don't drop no spoilers. Just just generalizations. <laughs> um, so so I can't talk about the Kevin Smith cameo crap. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I liked it. Um, you know, I I really liked how how Thirst was written. You know, that's kind of um, you know, a refreshing take from you know from. Um, you know, just other comic book characters out there. She's, she's got a quite the personality is all I'll say. And, you know, I, I enjoyed that and, you know, just kind of enjoyed the, um, the ending and, and just about all about it. It's, it's kind of hard to, to talk about the books without, um, you know, without um, giving away too much. Of it. Right. Right. I know I put you in a hard spot. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's does have an interesting personality trait. Um, <laughs> she refers to herself in the third person sometimes. Uh, I, I love that character, man. So um, it's customary in my interview segments that um, I, I give you the spotlight. Uh, if you could tell the the fans that are listening, 
Uh, we are we are up to 81 listens, so I have at least 81 people out there listening to this podcast, which is awesome because two weeks ago we were at 64, and a week before that we were at 30. So we're making great headway, man. So tell these other yeah. 81 listeners a little bit about yourself, your inspirations, and kind of how you got into comics. And I'm really interested to know um, how you how you met Anthony. Um, um, oh, let's see. Um, when my rocket ship propelled itself to earth um <laughs> the giant uh, purple alien gave me this power ring uh, gave me the ability to make comic books and i've been, been making comics ever since um but no um you know, <laughs> that's <I've> great <laughs> always um always um dug uh, comic books since i was a kid and you know my my mom bought me you know star wars and gi joe and you know some marvel comics here and there and um you know later on um you know i'd buy the batman detective comics i i really loved um alan grant and norm brayfogel's run on that uh, just kind of solidified um it is the batman in my opinion still to this day um and um you know even though through high school i had a you know lived in a pretty rural rural I can't talk rural community very far away from the nearest comic store that wasn't our local grocery store. So I had a friend who would go up, um, you know, an hour or so away every weekend to um, visit his dad. And so I'd give him money and he'd go um, to the comic book store and just pick me up whatever he thought I'd like. And so I ended up with all sorts of stuff from Dark Horse. And um, yeah, he gave me some stuff from The Shadow when The Shadow Strikes was... Um, running and I really enjoyed that and you know just a lifelong love affair with comics yeah. I helped um actually went to high school with and I helped out Jeremy Hahn with his first comics uh Lock and Load and then uh, Paradigm from Image back in the mid to late 90s oh wow um yeah um worked on that with them and even have one of my stories in the back of issue 11 and then it got canceled the next issue. So, you know, um, you, you could take that as you will. Uh, <laughs> you got in there. That's the point, though. That That's, that's a <laughs> that's win. True. You got in there. <laughs> that's true. May, may have got them canceled, but I got in there. Um, and um, you've then just been uh, kind of doing it off and on since then. Uh, teamed up with uh, Matthew, Matthew Cashel, the uh, writer from Paradigm. We did an issue of Blank Walls. And I really want to revisit that. Um, I think that's a good story that needs revisiting. And so once um, we get done with um, Mrs. Vengeance, uh, the three-parter on that uh, coming up, um, I'll probably um, talk with Matt and try and revisit uh, Blank Walls for the Limitless Comics Universe and um, go from there on it. But um, how I met Tony, um, I actually had supported um, a couple of his Kickstarters before I officially quote-unquote met him and uh, Adam is a friend, and, you know, he's, he's really great about anybody who wants to be his friend, he'll add you. And um, there's one day he put out the call. He needed someone to um, design up some trading cards for him. And you know, I've got some graphic design experience. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a shot. And the rest, they say, is history. <laughs> That's cool, Matt. I didn't know you had graphic design experience. That's awesome. Yeah, um, you know, part of my job my um, real life job or, you know, the, the job that currently pays the bills, hopefully one day comics will, but 
uh, <laughs> you know, to um, oversee an e-commerce division. And uh, while I was building that up, I was doing the, the graphics myself for the, the website. So it was kind of on the job training to learn how to do Photoshop and Pixelmator and Adobe and all that. So, um, okay. so yeah, learned how to do a graphics design. That's how I learned how to, you know, do it well enough to put the books together and everything. So, you know, good training there. That's awesome. I um I told I told uh, Anthony one day I'd like to uh I'd like to learn how to do that, but I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to do that anyway. Um, as I as I journey forth into my own uh, own comics adventure, um, creating my first anthology, uh, which I hope to put out by the end of the year. So, yeah, yeah, I just wrapped up a, a course with comics experience. Um, making a short comic and learning how the process goes of, uh, of how Andy Schmidt and Paula Lohr write their comics. Not, not anywhere near the same, more of Andy's version than Paul's, but, um, it was a, it was a nice crash course into actual comic writing. Uh, unlike my, uh, unlike my writing degree, uh, where we learned how to write in all the different types of mediums. This was Except actually like, comics. yeah, well, I mean, we learned how to write, comics too um there was a there was a class that roland man taught um and we learned we learned how to write comics um but i don't i think it was really just roland just telling us that you know this this is not a scripted format so long as you focus on actions and you don't over over um choreograph the uh, the scenes and the panels then you i mean anything could be a comic but after taking the comics experience class, writing comics is like actual comics for people who've done freelance work and work for Marvel and IDW. And it's like, okay, so this is a lot different than, you know, the $94,000 degree that I just paid for. <laughs> <laughs> and, and happenstance, um, I actually want to make comics a career, which, you know, I just spent $94,000 to figure that out. Uh, <laughs> um, and I paid $600 for this class. So I'm like, wow, you know, I should have been smarter and jumped on this earlier. Um, but, well, but, you know, the, the good thing about your, your writing degree is I'm, I'm sure you studied all, you know, you had literature requirements and you studied the classics like, um, you know, Flannery O'Connor and um, Langston Hughes, Edgar Allan Poe, you know, um, stuff like that, right? We did we did discuss Edgar Allan Poe. Um, the most educationally accredited class that was required to take was uh, Basic Grammar 101. Um, everything else was media and entertainment. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't go deep into the studies of like Beowulf and the Grapes of Wrath. Um, I actually did that stuff in high school. Um, here in the South, as far as they are behind, they're kind of a, a little ahead in literature, which I think is rather funny and ironic. Um, but yeah, um, there was a few instructors who who went deep diving on some of the more um, recent literature. Um, this is me paying homage to my education. I can't remember those titles. So... <laughs> <laughs> Because I've been so hyper focused on comics this past year, um, that I've 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 deleted that RAM in my brain, and I've only made room for the stuff that I need for comics. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. 
Yeah, but I I do remember studying a lot of of um of authors just from what I've read over the years, like Christopher Paolini's and a lot of fantasy authors. I'm a huge fan of Rick Riordan, um, which is an awesome thing to be because he took history and mythology and turned it fiction so fast that he's gone through just about every major historical mythology, uh, mythological topic out there and turned it into some type of fictional adventure, which actually is a, is, is, is a homage to the craft of adaptation. So by studying a lot of his work and then looking at some of the, the old, the oldies, um, like I remember writing a story that I crafted called, um, uh, Matau King Mai, which is a South American term for um, Bigfoot. And I wrote it in a way that my instructor said it reminded him of the 1950s, um, the 1950s wilderness novels. Cause, yeah, because I was I was doing I was doing it um, in subtext. So some of the internal conflicts my character was going through was um, was in like journal entries, which you could read between present action, so, <laughs> um, which which is a style that nobody really does much anymore. Um, everything's always present tense. Um, which is true because a lot of the instructors in my school, they're like, oh, just focus on present tense, present tense, present tense. They didn't go into like design aspect of writing. So, you know, but yeah, for the for for the most part, everything was more um, presently congruent as far as like studying authors. Um, there were lots of references to Harry Potter <laughs> as oh, if <laughs> as if J.K. Rowling was the, this past decade's greatest author. Um, not taking any fire away from her. She did awesome, but you know, um, it, it, it goes, it, it, it goes so far, you know, I think maybe if they were studying, you know, fantasy writing that that would be great. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. All I know I've been hyper-focused on, on, on comics. <laughs> right on, right on. So, um, which I'm probably doing pretty well. in, as you sent me that feedback the other day. Um, yeah, yeah, it um, definitely seems like an interesting story. Um, so you know, no, no spoilers. Um, yeah, no spoilers. Except for you know, Jay and Silent <laughs> Bob do not show up in it, as far as I know. Uh, um, at least I didn't get the ending. So you know, maybe maybe they they show up at the end. Um, <laughs> they time travel to a, a torn 1500s um, <laughs> a Japanese uh, Tsushima Island, <laughs> bro. What was in that? What was in that? <laughs> that stuff we smoked? <laughs> and of course, Bob. Bob's not saying shit because he, he can't say anything. <laughs> just yeah, kind of a, just a wink like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Japanese guy comes around on a horse with a samurai sword. Dude, look. <laughs> Do we get blasted to the 1950s set in Hollywood? Which is kind of a callback to their, like their inauguration to the, uh, the the Chinese theater in Hollywood that I, I witnessed over Facebook uh, this past was it spring? Uh, yeah, that yeah. yeah that that would be funny. That would be super funny. Um, I'd have to I'd have to I'd have to make sure um, Kevin got that so he can so he can put that ridiculousness on his uh, Fat Man and Beyond uh, podcast with with Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd get a kick out of that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So um 
So I haven't read it yet. Shame on me for not supporting our own Limitless Comics writer. Um, driver, driver eight. Um, I was wanting to ask you some questions about kind of what inspired that story and um, how you came about talking to Anthony to, you know, get that, get that worked out with Lemon's comics, anything that that would be useful to listeners or creators who are listening um, as part of the process. Well, when I get a feeling or an idea in my head, I've got to write it down Um, with um, driver eight. Um, it was inspired by um, the song Driver 8 by um, R.E.M. Not, not necessarily the content of the song, but just more kind of the feeling of loneliness um, and just, you know, the, you know, needing to take a break from life sort of thing. So I just kind of like, okay, so I've got this, this concept of this character who's, who's lonely, wants to take a break from his life. And then I just build on it from there. I just kind of worked out, you know, his his thoughts, what was going on in his head. And uh, just kind of slowly, you know, put the pieces together like a giant Jenga jigsaw puzzle in my head with, um, you know, okay, well, what would he be doing? What, Where would he want to go? What kind of story would I want to tell, you know, ba- this based on and you know, just seeing what kind of flowed right, what kind of fit. Um, and we, you know, I can't really go into a lot of details without spoiling the entire, you know, 12 issue story arc. But <laughs> I got that much out of you, though. It's 12 issues, everybody. 12 issues. Yeah, it is. It is 12. Um, I kind of, I did want to do eight initially, but then, you know, going it over, I couldn't fit everything in um you know eight issues right. so you know 12 will you know have three seasons uh, the first season is the you are not ready that's the first four issues um the next four issue the title of that season is going to be you cannot go back and i um, going to save the the title of season three the last four issues and you know we'll save that for a later date <laughs> of course of course we want surprise story has to have surprise exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I don't i don't know what is so I, I don't know maybe maybe this generation is impatient but i find it extremely annoying when i pick up on something that i like whether it be a show or a book or hell even a comic mostly television shows these days that don't use the element of surprise as a part of the story they just kind of like drop the exposition and focus on the fancy stuff i'm like where's the art in that yeah exactly you know the the whole point at least of the story in my opinion is to it's really to to screw with the readers um sorry guys listening but you know if you're gonna read my stuff i'm gonna mess with you i i want you to think one thing i want you to look at my left hand but you know, realize that I'm going to have something in my right hand that's totally going to turn around what um, everything you're thinking. Um, you know, I'm going to give you visual clues. I'm going to, you know, give you snippets of dialogue that, you know, you're going to not think about it of until, you know, four issues later, you're going to be like, wait a minute. All the way back in issue one, he said this. Oh, you know, I, I really want to reward readers for, for paying attention. Um, and I want them to, to think 
about what um, certain things might mean. Um, even in some instances, I want them to Google it, you know, just beyond, um, you know, a passive reference. There's going to be some things that are going to be fun references. Like, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you right now, I've, I've named um, all the driver characters we know so far after the Doctor Who actors. That's why um, Driver 8 is named Paul McGann after, um, you know, one of my favorite Doctor actors, Paul McGann. You know, driver, driver one that we meet in the first issue, William Hartnell. Um, we'll meet driver two here in issue three. And of course, he'll be uh, Patrick Troughton. Um, so, you know, there'll be fun stuff like that. But then there'll also be things like, you know, if you might seem like a fun reference, but if you go a little bit deeper, you'll find a, a deeper meeting too that I can't again talk about. You know, right. whenever we do the, the post driver eight wrap up show, we'll. You know, we'll go deeper into all these, which I'm really looking forward to, because then I can finally be like, I can talk about this. I can talk about this. <laughs> Those are the exciting shows. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's that's really cool though, man. And and don't don't uh don't uh don't whip me, but um I have I have yet to watch a a single season of Doctor Who. Um, oh, not a. Not I know. A problem. Um, I know. You know, start if if you ever decide you're going to start out with um, whenever they restarted up the Christopher Eccleston series, uh, okay. watch through David Tennant, and then from there, in my opinion, at least optional viewing. Um, some things are good about the the next several Doctors. Um, uh, just not a big fan of the writing on a lot of it um, with the different showrunner that took over after that and the showrunner that took over him. Not a not a huge fan of the writing there either. But, you know, some people really like it. So, you know, it's all a, all depends on what your cup of tea is. That, now, this, the, the theme, the theme of the show is really interesting. Um, I remember trying to watch an episode. Um, it might have been the first episode. I can't remember. Um he was chasing somebody and they were possessing mannequins. Yeah. And yeah that would have been the first one. Yeah. That's some, something else happened. And I was just, I don't know if it was just me at the time. Um, devolved Mike, um, who was more into like mainstream type things, like all about Marvel, all about Star Wars, nothing else. Um, which is a shame because now that I've gotten into comics, I realized that there's way more cool crap out there. Um, uh, other than yeah, this, all these mainstream titles, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I plan on getting to that eventually. The series, um, I've, I've been watching so much stuff. I'm, I'm finishing up the White Lotus show right now on HBO Max. That's, that's a little trippy. But um, I, man, I like, I like the art of writing where it rewards people and makes them think about things. That's, that's called craft. Like I don't, I don't know if there's any writers out there listening to this now but um there there are an exponentially large amount of comics out there that just focus on all the fancy stuff and using and, and exporting things like um, um sex and violence and action to sell their comics which is okay because we live in america that's fine it's been sailing <laughs> like that since since before last action hero came out of hollywood but but um, there, there's a there's there's a deeper reward for reading comics that reward you based on your attention to detail and exposition. And it teaches people to read subtext. 
um, which is super important to stories. A story without subtext is like listening to an interview of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the governor's office on what he plans to do this year to, to curb a budget, which is painful. I'd rather listen to glass grind. And I, and I, and I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, but not the politician, just the actor. Um, (laughs) That's, that's a story without subtext to me. Um, And it's, it's important. It's, it shouldn't always be used. You should learn how to use that, but, but there's, there's gotta be something more to offer. Um, I've heard great things about driver eight. And um, it, it's a shame that I haven't read it yet. I think I should put that on my reading list, like tomorrow. Um, and before, should before everybody listening, yes. <laughs> and but no, wait, before before we get off here, um, I'll let I'll I'll let you tell everybody where to get them, so I know where to get them, and then I'll put that in the show notes. But switching switching gears from Driver Eight, that seems like more more human experience and like psychologically themed like inner inflection type stories. This new story that you, you mentioned Miss Vengeance, is that more of a traditional superhero type story? I would say it's more of a traditional pulp hero type story. Um, okay. Definitely inspired by the shadow. Okay. Uh, Cause someday I'd, I'd love to write the shadow. Cause I think everybody writing it now, is um, not doing the best job in in my personal opinion. Sorry if you're a writer for the Shadow. Listen to this, please don't unsubscribe to the podcast. <laughs> um, but you know, I you know again, having grown up on on the Shadow comic books, um, I've always wanted to write the Shadow. So you know, I'm doing this as a vengeance. It's the next best thing, um, and trying to keep her distinct enough so I won't get sued, um, which is why she's. Um, you know why she's a she instead of a guy right um, but um yeah it's it's more it, it definitely does have more action than driver eight um there's there's still more story going on as um you know where the focus of the story is the newest recruit to her um, her group of agents um and his name is edwin he's an ex-cia guy retired cia guy but um for reasons um, that'll be made in the story. Um, Mrs. Vengeance recruits him and it's about his first time working for Mrs. Vengeance and with the other agents there. And it's, um, it's a three issue series and we're actually gonna offer all three issues on the Kickstarter at once. So you oh, don't wow. have to wait for, yeah, so you don't have to wait for each issue to come out like um, we're doing with Driver 8. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, and my artist, um, phenomenal, phenomenal, uh, Clovis. Um, I'm gonna pronounce his last name wrong, uh, Batabola, but just, you know, I, I couldn't ask for a better person to bring uh, Mrs. Vengeance to life because, you know, the second I told him, you know, make her kind of ethereal, you know, make her almost ghost-like, you know, next time I got a page, boom, I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. Um, <laughs> That that's a hard that's a hard visual to capture. Um, it's not easy to to draw something ethereal because it has to be, it has to capture something physical, but it also has to represent something supernatural. So that's right. awesome. And, Is this yeah, the same artist that that did Driver Eight? No. Um, okay. That's um, you know that's a uh, Jorge, and um, Jorge he he. Uh, you know, again, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, too, because it's been too <laughs> long since high school Spanish with Cavato. Um, 
you know, he just, he does an awesome job just, you know, with every single little quirk, um, you know, that I put in. Cause you know, again, I've, I script it more with Jorge than I do Clovis just because again, driver, it's more psychological than Mrs. Vengeance. So, you know, I've got to have certain things in the scene, you know, right. certain little notes posted here or, you know, a character responding a certain way. You know, he's just phenomenal. He's like, okay, I'll get it done. And, you know, get the page up and boom, he's got it done. And, but, um, but yeah, so long answer, uh, different artist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with both my guys. Um, they're great. That I think I think uh, I think it's interesting that that that's probably on purpose though, right? Because if Driver Eight is twelve issues, you don't want your same artist focusing on another book while drawing a book that's eight issues. Right. Um, yeah, definitely don't want um, you know to, you'll get him too uh, preoccupied on something else. Um, you know, maybe maybe we'll do a Driver Eight annual. I I something i really like to do i don't know exactly how that would work out but um you know that, that you heard it here first that that's something that i'm contemplating doing is a driver annual after the 12 issues okay you know, yeah i mean annuals worked out really well for marvel and dc i mean even though they have more production power than everybody who's you know creator owned um yeah is, what i what i'd really like to do is um is, you know, just have, you know, once the 12 issues are out, you know, get, um, you know, you and Anthony and you know, a couple other friends of mine to you know, just contribute, you know, four page, four or five page stories to the annual set in the driver eight universe. Oh, wow. That'd be awesome. That's what, I, I, that's what I'd like to do. Um, so, you know, if, um, and of course, you know, I guess we wouldn't be able to call it an annual. We'll probably be calling it a uh three year annual or four year annual. But, um, <laughs> you know um that that's what i'd like to do down the road once um, all 12 issues are out that, that would be awesome i'd be honored first i gotta read the book though <laughs> this is true you know you might read it and be like man this is crap he wants me to do full pages and <laughs> uh, man it, you know you know how you know how difficult it is to capture a story in in five four or five pages um unless unless you wanted to do something like like those 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 short stories from each person would be like build up to some type of voltron event and a last story that you know kind of connect together <laughs> might not might not be too too bad of an idea there either um yeah, I, you know I, part is part of growing as a writer though is taking the hard four or five page stories and figuring out how to how to do this i have racked my brain to bleeding over this five-page story <laughs> that i wrote in comics experience it it started off you know being super simple i had a, a, a voodoo a voodoo venomologist who was getting revenge um, on his father for leaving him on a swamp bed to die when he was a kid who was possessed by you know a snake god named dambala all right and he was going to fight a snake. I couldn't make the voodoo elements work. I couldn't make the snake work. He had a pet alligator in there too, whose name was Roz, who sacrificed himself um, to save my protagonist, which is actually my antagonist. But he's the protagonist of the story. I couldn't make that work. So um, I, I switched gears and I rewrote the entire thing to be an internal psychological 
um, not action, but thriller. And, and I'm, I have to rewrite it and post it in a few days. And I'm just like, I got notes back on it. And I'm like, man, I, I have to make some of this stuff make sense. And I, you know, I've only got so many, so many pages. And for the class, I can't use more than five panels. I can't use more than um, 12 word balloons on a page, 12 words per balloon. <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, it's a gauntlet. Um, but yeah, you're right. To, to, like to develop strong writing, you have to, you have to, you have to take the Deadpool approach. Right. And I'm using that metaphor, not ironically either. So when, when, <laughs> when he puts Deadpool or Wade into that oxygen isolator, and he he zeroes down the oxygen to force his mutation out. That is what it's like to be a writer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, um, that, that's about the most perfect analogy I can I've, I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, and and when you when you come from it, and you you craft a great story. You don't go looking for Francis and killing him because it made you a better writer, no matter how horrible you look. <laughs> <laughs> where is francis buy my book <laughs> you know uh, i will say um you know that is one thing i'm doing with mrs vengeance is kind of stepping out of my comfort zone because you normally i do highly psychological lots of words you know introspective type stuff and, the alan moore approach you know, yeah and, um, <laughs> you know with um with mrs vengeance you know it's it's hard to kind of step back, show more action, do less talky-talky on the page, you know, let Clovis do more art. Um, and, you know, it's been kind of hard to convey that the story I want that way because, you know, I'm usually all about being wordy, um, which, you know, again, that, that's something, you know, I've learned from my, from my own writing training is you can't be wordy quite so much. You've got to go in and chop, chop, chop away once you're done. Um, yeah. In, yeah. you know, you'd really hate to see what driver rate was before I went in and chopped it all away. <laughs> I would imagine it would, it, it looked like a finished Alan Moore script. Cause, <laughs> cause cool. I, I had to read that in school and, and, and I, I couldn't even read the script. It was twice as long or it was twice as long in the comic book. And, <laughs> and, um, uh, fortunately for us, we were given a non-edited version and a edited version and I couldn't tell the difference. I, I really couldn't. It's as if Alan Moore's editor was like, yeah, just cut out what you want. And he's like, fine. I switched up to as. Are you happy? <laughs> it's amazing writing, but it's so long form. And they tried to pound short form into us. And I'm sitting here the whole time like, but Alan Moore. But he's Alan Moore. You're not. But Alan Moore. Mike, you need to cut some of this stuff out. Okay. <laughs> Alan Moore. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it looked like that. Um, kind kind of like mine looks right now. Your paragraphs for panel actions. It's it just doesn't work. I'm gonna have to cut it down to like one or two sentences. Um, caveman style, you know, Ron Perlman. <laughs> he hit snake overhead. You know? <laughs> Sorry, Ron. I, I I couldn't. I could not step away from that caveman joke. It's it's running joke. It even stretches off a of Paradise PD. It it takes its own shape. He really does look look like, you know, old school hominins. Like it's it's amazing. 
Like, I don't know why we're trying to bring them back to life. You just go to Ron Perlman's house. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great actor. Sons of Anarchy wouldn't have been Sons of Anarchy without Clay. Now, Hellboy for, for yeah, that, that, that could have been, you know, we could have had a better Hellboy. Could have had a better Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Perlman better than I liked Harbor's version. I think Harbor could have done well if he'd just been given a better script. It had potential, but just. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about the new one. But yeah. it's because Perlman said no. So, I mean, I can, I can see why he, he said no based on the script. Uh, <laughs> but, they, um, should, they, they should have took, they should have stuck to like the more, the more uh, dark and dreary fantasy scripted versions of Hellboy in the comics, like, like their right. fantasy game. That, that probably would have been more. Um, I think we all like the Ron Perlman version because he smoked a cigar after everything he did, like, like a, like a fat boy running up the stairs, just like, uh, you just had to have that piece of cake. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you just had to smoke that stogie, didn't you? <laughs> a little bit of um, trivia for you. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But um, whenever Bruce Campbell dropped out of the sequel for uh, Bubba Hotep, um, Ron Perlman was committed for the longest time to um, take up the role of Elvis. Oh, really? Yeah. Did that happen? No, um, eventually uh, Paul Giamatti and um, she completely forgot to Lansdale, uh, Joe Lansdale. Eventually they just dropped the idea of ever getting a sequel off the ground. But um, I think that would have been cool to see Ron Perlman as Elvis. Yeah, and a little scary too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would have been a big Elvis. Yeah, uh, he definitely would have been a, a really big Elvis. God, what does my podcast become? <laughs> <laughs> Talking bits over Ron Perlman. <laughs> oh, all right, folks. Well, that does it for Comics and Pop Darts podcast. Come back again when I rename it. <laughs> Comics Perlman. Perlman. Yeah, Ron Perlman's somewhere out there with his agent right now, working on lawsuit paperwork. I should be getting something in the mail. Hey, you know, anything I can do to help, you know, I, I was on Mr. X's, um, you know, his thing. I'm, I'm sure we got sued. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make this a tradition of getting every uh, podcast host that I'm on sued. I would watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's one there's one out there right now dedicated to ending uh, ending only fans. Um, I thought that was interesting because then that's the whole reason for only fans um, to exist. Um, <laughs> Ron Perlman? Uh, <laughs> I hope he's not on OnlyFans. <laughs> that was the line that will get you sued. Oh, yeah. Mr. Williams, please refrain from using <laughs> Mr. Perlman's name and OnlyFans in the same sentence ever. Yeah. And, and the deeper, darker meaning, uh, or the deeper, darker reason for that happening is because he has an OnlyFans dedicated to the Elvis role that he never got to play. So if you ever want to watch Ron Perlman as Elvis smoking stogies and singing old Elvis songs, um, go to his not OnlyFans page. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
I would also watch that, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) I would, too. Yeah, Yeah, we're all dysfunctional. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So... So I don't suppose you could tell us anything else about Miss Vengeance other than it's out of your comfort zone and uh, it's um, coming soon. <laughs> yeah, coming very soon. Um, the, we're about almost halfway through the third issue. So we're okay. it on Kickstarter this year. All right. Um, and the first issue is completely lettered and um, starting the lettering in the second issue here shortly. Awesome. So yeah, it's, um, it's doing well. I think it's really cool you're going to drop all three issues at one time. Um, I have to ask, though, for educational purposes and for those listening and myself, because I'm super interested, was that decision, do you think that will lose you money in the campaign run? Or will that make you more like, I know normal campaigns for books, I remember us talking about the price um, is usually around $2,500. So are you gonna you gonna up that price for this campaign because you have three books to offer, or is it gonna stay the same? Well, you know, usually with my books, and I don't know if this is a good strategy or not. I'm something I'll have to review for the upcoming Kickstarter, but I just start them out at the lowest possible five hundred. I just want as many people as possible to to read the books, and then you know it, it's always worked out in the past to be about between twenty five and three thousand. My hope and prayer would be that with offering three issues and with greater the artism, you know, that Clovis is getting, uh, giving us um, for it, that we'll be able to, you know, do quite a bit more than that. But, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's definitely a gamble launching all three issues at once. Um, but I, 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 in my heart, I think it'll, we'll get more than, than we normally do from it. Um, yeah. But, you know, in, in the end, you know, and, until I can make a, you know, a living and, you know, do the, you know, 50,000 Kickstarters um, <laughs> or, you know, get the, you know, the job where, you know, you know, somebody wants to pay me to write the shadow. Hi, Boom Studios. Looking at you. Um, <laughs> you know, while I still do the Limitless Comic stuff. Um, you know, I, I just want people to be able to read the story. That's, that's the most important thing for me. Um, so, it's it's singular it's, it's singular goals like that that have led to to rags and riches stories all over the literary world. Like, what 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 was your main goal? Did you want to be rich? No, I just wanted people to read my story, and now now I can afford jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to buy off the clearance rack at Walmart anymore. My I jeans no longer are eat cost peanut butter. Five bucks. <laughs> I no longer eat peanut butter sandwiches. Now they, they have jelly. <laughs> <laughs> My ramen noodle has flavoring. I know, right? None of that chicken crap. <laughs> I now add a spruce of lemon on it. <laughs> We've made it now. Is um is vengeance is vengeance gonna be a limitless comics thing or is this gonna be just you know presented oh, yeah. by Jerry Jones, creator owned? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, as long as I'm on, you know, Kickstarter and Anthony doesn't, Uh-oh. you know, shove a spear down my heart or anything, uh, we'll we'll always be um, Limitless Comics. So, um, not that I, I suspect Anthony will show up to my door one day with a, a giant spear and, you know, shout, <laughs> this is Sparta! And, you know, <laughs> shove the spear through my heart or anything, but, you know, I'm, I'm playing Assassin's Creed um, here lately, so that's, that's where my 
my mind is, you know, somewhere in um, ancient Greece. Oh, you're playing Origins. Uh, Odyssey. Which one? Uh, Odyssey. Um, oh, Odyssey. Odyssey is the Greece one. Origins the, the Egypt one. Okay. And, gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Getting ready to go into um, Viking times with Valhalla here for you. Oh, so many things to say about Valhalla. I, I have a 209-hour save, and I, I'm, I won't steal your joy, but it was sparsely disappointing. And this is coming from somebody who has collected everything there is to collect on a map the size of England. There's nothing else left to do other than the stuff they keep dropping. Um, I'm in France right now for the DLC they wow. dropped, and um, it's I just don't know. I wish microtransactions in the gaming world would just die. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and and they switch to the format that um, Sucker Punch Studio has with with Ghost of Tsushima, where um, they give you all these great things, and you get a chance to um, do what you know you're supposed to do in games, and that's earn them <laughs> by devoting time <laughs> to playing the designed games, um, not paying for them. Um, if I if I spend sixty dollars on your game, don't offer me twenty dollar DLCs that don't last more than you know five seconds. Like, oh, I bought an armor set, I, I wear it, and I'm like, that's cool. I like the last one I just had on. Like, I feel like I just got raped in an alley. <laughs> it, I feel dirty. I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm so bad about that. Oh man, you know, I love Ubisoft so much and and here lately it's just been like a, a love and hate relationship. Um I'm super excited. And I don't know if you know this, but they're doing an Assassin's Creed um Watch Dogs crossover called Assassin's Creed Legions. Um oh. in the Watch Dogs Legions universe, which we all suspected that Watch Dogs was a part of of the Assassin's Creed universe ever since, you know, the letters from the first Watch Dogs games references um, all, some of the things that happen in Assassin's Creed. So I'm excited yeah, for that. Right. I'm excited for that. But at the same time, microtransactions, damn it. Ubisoft, listen to me before I show up with your house in a spear and scream words that you shall never hear again while you, while you just fall into a <laughs> giant, giant dark abyss of I could have, would have, should have. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the end of my rant. Um, <laughs> um, video games like that as a whole, they, they've all been that. Like They've all been like that really recently lately, like DLCs and games that are unfinished. We won't talk about CD projects. Um, Cyberpunk 2077, that just had an update, and I had to delete the game and then re-download it again <laughs> because the, 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 the update file prevented my launcher from launching it. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I just wonder if they're even accepting people that have gone to game design school and they're just letting anybody work there anymore. I just, I don't know. Or maybe I COVID's made everybody lazy because they've been working at home and there's only so many things you can do in your pajamas. Like, I won't, I won't go into too many details on it, but um, just out of curiosity, have you been um, following anything with the whole uh, abandoned game um, debacle? I have not. What a, uh, what what debacle are they suffering from? Um, it's basically the developer teased that it was going to be silent, the next Silent Hill. 
Ah. And when it really wasn't, and it seems like he's really the only person on his development team. So there's like a whole bunch of Reddit conspiracy threads and articles online about how the game really is going to be the next Silent Hill and how it's tied into um, Hideo Kojima because Kojima really loves to mess with his fans and fake them out um, almost as much as I do. (laughs) um, It's just insane. Just, you know, sometimes when you're looking for a rabbit hole to go down to, just, you know, literally type in abandoned rabbit hole and just look at all the stuff. crazy it uh really crazy. it looks promising but i mean if if the it's it's like cd cd project um conflict when cyberpunk first came out um as everybody knows you only get so much funding and time to make a game when you when you when the project starts but you know, game designers and developers were like, "This is not ready yet." And the business side was like, "We need to make money, 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 money." Like, and then they released something, and it's super great in concept, and then functions horribly. Um, like I remember, I'm two game when it comes out. You, you know what's crazy about that? It's that PlayStation Two games never had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> they they never did. You could be playing the worst remake of Contra, and it would never have that problem. Um, it wasn't until video games were connected to um, live services um, for updates that we started having issues like that, and they got more expensive. And yeah, there's 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 a whole bunch of cynical things that I could say about the, the evolution of games in the last you know decade and a half. But yeah. It's just disheartening, but if developers say it, it, it's it's one thing and they're selling it as another, I, I think about when <laughs> when people went to go see The Watchmen for the first time, and the way they sold the trailer was it's this kick-ass action superhero movie that has nothing to do with politics; it's everything to do with action and excitement, and it's going to be awesome. Superhero suits, okay. And then people get in there, and it's two and a half hours of, of, of political <laughs> ideological philosophy, um, with a little bit of a little bit of action, and the biggest blue penis you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for 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 content that's marketed one way and delivered another. Um, I think every comic book creator can learn from that too. Um, don't. Don't sell your comic characters as sex toys and then present them with an action movie. They're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> exactly. Make the cover action. You can have it make sexy, but if like just be 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 honest. Transparency has always been my number one thing. Um, when Anthony first approached me, he's like, "Hey, man, people are saying stuff about my story. My grammar's crap." but I want to make comics. I need, I need your help. I've been watching you. You do lots of cool stuff. You've, you've done internships and you graduated college. You, you seem like a cool guy. Um, and I was like, cool. However, you know, we need to be professional about it. Set a price, set a time expectations, and then, and then go from there. I didn't lie to him. I didn't over exacerbate. 
was like, look, the only thing I ever have published was a story in 2017. Are you sure you want me to do this? Because <laughs> most, most people don't reach out to people without, you know, social media numbers, uh, which is a thing now, which is, I think is as stupid as, as, as credit. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, social media following and then, you know, your, your own credentials. So, I mean, I've got stuff I've been writing all year since I graduated, you know, back in January, but you know, I haven't had, much time to to publish anything because i'm still working on that so it was like hey don't have many credentials here buddy but i will help you that's that's the only thing i can give you my willingness and my 100 percent focus he's like cool boom that's how it should be in every aspect of life like with your relationships and then you know especially on the business side like i understand businesses need to make money but we shouldn't cut corners you know to make money I think in Florida, yeah. that that horrible incident where that that uh, that flat place just collapsed and killed like 150 people, cutting corners just to make profit, so you didn't have to shut down and, and rebuild your your hotel. Um, yeah, that that proved to be a very costly mistake and, and a hard lesson learned for about 150 families, and and that I hope that guy got jail time. Um, whoever whoever proved that but i mean that's that's the go to say that couldn't be applied for every aspect of writing and business and even the writing business cohesion um i lost my talking point i'm on a ramble now but (laughs) (laughs) so the lesson learned kids is always be completely honest set expectations and don't over promise yes under promise and over deliver yes always Always. I mean, unless you're absolutely confident that you can hit that mark, but you know, especially in the comics world, there, there's a lot of things that can come up. You know, people get sick, uh, funded gets pulled, uh, your artist quits, um, your letterer, I don't know, pulls diarrhea card one day, and you're delayed production <laughs> like three days. Um, lots of things can happen. You know, Anthony got a job, and we had to push back. You know, getting pages to the printer for like a whole month. So. Yeah. But I mean, stuff like that happens, but we've been honest about it. And that's the important thing because honesty sales. Yeah. You you know, and people understand if there are delays and things like that, as long as you are upfront about them and say, Hey, we've got delay for this reason. Not, you know, don't say, Oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. Like, (laughs) Oh, and then, you know, it comes the date and it was supposed to come. And, you know, people are like, where's stuff? Like, oh, it's still coming. It's going to be great. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. (laughs) You know, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, every time, every time, every time Anthony talks about something that's coming, that's kind of how, it's kind of how he puts it out there. (laughs) It's going to be the greatest thing on earth. (laughs) Well, I mean. That man gets so excited. (laughs) He does. does. And he's not talking about delays or anything like that. He's actually hyping his books. Yeah, I, I've told him, and you know, I've told Mister X, um, you know, before that I think Anthony's probably the greatest hype man on earth, and I, I wouldn't want another hype man in my corner other than Anthony. Um, no, absolutely not. No, he's, he's got energy. Um, that uh, the podcast episode he did uh, for with Free Alarm Comics that unfortunately couldn't be posted because we uh, we put somebody under the ringer for for stuff that they shouldn't have done in their own career, but. Um, I remember Scott saying he had the brightest personality he had ever met, um, and and uh, in comics in comics works. Uh, I think Mike Zapsik said the same thing too. Um, 
<clears throat> but yeah, he he put a lot of promotion. If he got a job in advertisement, the the money he can make would be astronomical. Um, well, that's true. That's true. Because he does he does do a lot of advertisement for free. Um, <laughs> yeah. for for his own stuff, which I mean is to be expected. But I mean, if he could do, if he could apply that to like, I don't know, the next big Mister Clean Man, that would be awesome. <laughs> he would sell the shit out of some Mister Clean. I would I would buy Mister <laughs> Clean for a year. <laughs> That's how great I think he could do. Um, oh yeah, I, I think he could too. And you know, Tony, when you're listening to this. Tell you what, we'll you and I will we'll get together. We'll talk to the Mister Clean people, and I will personally subscribe to Mister Clean if they hire you. This is in no way, shape, or form um, decided for you because of your <laughs> your close attributes to Mister Clean character himself. So <laughs> we oh, wasn't even thinking of that. We know you shave your head because you choose to, not because you. You, you can't grow any hair anymore. So I just wanted to make that very apparent. <laughs> I didn't choose Mr. Clean because they have common attributes. <laughs> That's honestly the only, the first thing I could think of was Mr. Clean, which is an testament to the product itself. So, man. Well, if there's anything you'd like to close on, uh, Jerry, now would be the time um, where we can well, get driver I- eight. Um, yeah, Driver 8 will be up uh, very soon at um, Um I'm going to send some stuff to Anthony here this next week, actually. I think it's been, I like to um, do a suffic- sufficient time after the Kickstarter uh, before I get it up for sale anywhere. Just, you know, so the Kickstarter people feel, um, you know, special and not cheated, which rightfully so. Um, they are very special. and We definitely appreciate each and every one of them. We don't want to give them a chance to get all the goodies and everything first before we put that stuff up for sale anywhere. So, um, anyway, again, long story short, www.limitlesscomicsgroup.com. Awesome. And uh, where can uh, where can people contact you at? Um, people can find me on Facebook. Uh, they just by doing uh, looking up the Limitless Comics and then looking for Jerry Jones. Anything that. Anthony Morris tagged me in um, pretty much all his posts. He tags me in. So you can find me that way. Um, you can find me doing absolutely nothing on Twitter at uh, JJJONES754. Um, occasionally complaining to um, video game creators and movie creators, but otherwise um, you can marvel at how silent my Twitter account is. <laughs> and you can find me at Instagram at JJJ754. Awesome, man. Um, when when you're bad mouthing those game game developers, throw a bad word in there for me. I like the low <laughs> blow, not the last laugh. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Awesome. All right, Jerry, man, it's been so much fun having you on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I didn't really count on it taking an hour, but time flies when you're having fun, especially oh, in yeah. great company. So. Oh well, thank you. Um, oh likewise. no problem. No, no problem. And if you guys are uh, plan on uh, listening again, please subscribe, share uh, the link to Comics and Pop Tarts podcast. Uh, we're streaming on seven different platforms, hopefully eight pretty soon, and we'll be rebranding this fall. I'm your host, Michael J. Williams. This has been the Comic and Pop Tarts podcast interview with Jerry Jones. We'll see you next time.
Peace out. Thank you.